This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target cancer-causing proteins and destroy them right inside the cell. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. The soldiers known as the Azovstal defenders are heroes in Ukraine. They held out for months against the Russians, fighting from a bombed-out steel plant in the southern port city of Mariupol before becoming prisoners of war. Well, last month their prison was bombed, allegedly by their Russian captors. NPR's Joanna Kakissis spoke to some of these soldiers' families as they waited to find out whether the men were dead or alive. Olha Kerod was busy at work at a pharmacy in the western city of Lviv when she got a frantic call from her teenage daughter. My daughter said, Mom, something exploded in Alenivka. They blew up a building and many people died. Alenivka is a prison colony in Russian-occupied eastern Ukraine. Russia holds captured Ukrainian soldiers there. On July 29th, the day of the explosion, Olha's husband Stanislav, she calls him Stas for short, was in that prison. Everyone started calling me, texting me, asking, Olha, Olha, what has happened? There were at least 50 dead and scores more wounded. She worried that Stas was among them. But I didn't cry. I didn't panic. I told myself and my daughter, don't believe anything until we know for sure. Stas worked as a naval border guard in the southeastern port city of Mariupol, where the family lived. Olha had not seen him for six months since Russian forces bombed and shelled Mariupol, leaving thousands dead and nearly every building damaged. Stas joined several thousand soldiers who barricaded themselves beneath a sprawling local steelworks factory called Azovstal in a final last stand. The spring, NPR reached Stas there via WhatsApp. He sent us several voice memos describing the constant bombing and shelling, how they were running out of medicine and food, and how relieved he was that his own family had escaped Mariupol. We last heard from him in May when he and thousands of other soldiers left Azovstal in what they assumed was an evacuation. Instead, they were handed over to the Russians. His last text to NPR read, We are being evacuated into captivity. We met his wife Olha a couple of weeks later at a cafe in Lviv. She's dark-haired and intense. Over the next several weeks, we speak several times. She tells us she heard from Stas directly only once in June when he called her from a number she did not recognize. He told me the conditions inside the prison were terrible, that the prisoners were fed only once every two days, that hygiene was non-existent. Then, on July 29th, came the explosion. The blast destroyed a warehouse where prisoners had recently been moved. Images of charred bodies appeared on social media. Ukraine said Russian forces blew up the building to cover up torture of Ukrainian prisoners. Russia, in turn, accused Ukraine of killing its own soldiers to keep them from talking. It all made Olha's head spin. I didn't believe it that such a thing could happen, that even the Russians could do such a thing. Hundreds of miles east in Kyiv, Alasa Malenko was also shocked. 
She was desperate for news on her son, Ilya. Yes, I had only rumors, and it's very hard to tell about. Alla knew many soldiers from Ilya's regiment were in Alenovka. She pleaded with the International Committee for the Red Cross for help. And they very polite and full of mercy, you know. And after that, no connection, no feedback, no feedback. The Russians blocked the Red Cross and other independent investigators from entering the site of the explosion. They instead brought in their own experts who repeated Kremlin talking points, all false, that Ukraine and the U.S. were responsible. In cities across Ukraine, the families of the imprisoned soldiers took to the streets to demand information and justice. Yaroslava Ivansova protested from her home in the central region of Kirovograd, where she now lives with her daughter and grandchildren after escaping the fall of Mariupol. Since the explosion, Yaroslava says she has spent hours scouring Russian social media channels for any details about her husband, Nikolai Ivansov, and her son-in-law, Oleksiy Lyashuk. She says someone sent her a message that Nikolai and Alexei were in the building in Elenivka that burned. I can't even begin to describe my reaction when I found out. I started to cry, and then I immediately got on the phone with Ukrainian military and government officials. But they said they had no information. A few days after the explosion, the Russian military published a list of dead and wounded. Ivansova saw her son-in-law's name on the list of injured. We started cold-calling hospitals in the occupied territories to find out which ones had taken the wounded. But unfortunately, we couldn't get any information. The hospitals only said they didn't have any Ukrainian soldiers there. But her husband's name was not on either list. Neither was Alla Samolenko's son, Ilya. The women have not heard from the soldiers. Alla says their fate seems unclear. I mean, they can kill all of them without any responsibility. And no one in the world can do something. Back in Lviv, Olha Kerod got better news. She finally heard from her husband, Stas. He wrote to say that he was alive, that he is tired and is wondering if people have forgotten about him and the other soldiers. But the families of the soldiers clearly have not forgotten. Olha recently posted a video on Facebook of the soldiers singing in the catacombs of Azovstal before the final fall of their city trapped underground, and yet still free. Joanna Kikissis, NPR News, Lviv. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. 
Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.